Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Greg Schaefer, information security expert, entrepreneur, podcast host, and an author. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you for having me, AJ. Appreciate it. You are welcome. Uh, Greg, you are an expert on this on, on this topic about information security for small and mid-sized businesses. That is what you focus on. And in terms of your podcast, you have written a book by that name. So straightway, first to understand from you, uh, Greg, is that, you know, what is the difference between information security and cybersecurity? We keep on hearing about cybersecurity all the time. And at the same time, a lot of people talk about information security. How does a common man, if they were, uh, if he or she has to differentiate between the two, what exactly are these two things? You know, sometimes you can ask information security professionals or cybersecurity professionals the same question. You'll get a couple of different answers. And I think that, that part of it is related to maybe where you're at in your career spectrum. I think the correct answer is cybersecurity is the technical aspects of securing information. So when you're talking about firewalls and antivirus and permissions, setting permissions on files, those sorts of things, those are all technical stuff. Um, Log management, reviewing logs, what a cybersecurity analyst does is all in that technical realm. And those are very important controls for securing biz, uh, small, mid-sized, large business information across the, the whole arena. Information security is broader. So cybersecurity would be a subset of information security, but information security includes other aspects. Like, for example, just something as simple as keeping papers um, secure. That's uh, you, you, you could make the um, argument that paper is a technology in and of itself, but it goes beyond that. It also includes uh, policies, procedures, disaster recovery, and business continuity testing, governance. When you're talking about governance, I mean um, ensuring that you have the right people in the right place and the right roles to to keep information confidential and available and in, with integrity and also have that constant communication between those who are running the information security program and those, the C-suite and the board of directors, because then that gets into risk management, which is another part of information security, but not necessarily cybersecurity, where you're looking at the risks to the organization and trying to provide for the C-suite and the board of directors enough information so that they can make risk-informed decisions about how they can prioritize their resources to protect their information because you cannot just apply all resources to all problems. Nobody has that amount of money, that amount of capital. So you have to understand how to prioritize it. So basically, in a nutshell, cyber, more technical, information, overarching, and cyber is a part of technical, is a part of information security. Right, right. So if, if you were to tell a small business majorly and also mid-site but mainly small business how would you tell them what would you tell them to focus on information security or cyber security in india we got millions of small businesses and if you look at it from 
uh, a different point of view, even uh, consultants, coaches, they have their own business uh, in a very small uh, way, but there is a lot of money involved there in terms of fees, in terms of client data, in terms of several other things. So how do you uh, look at this thing? What would you suggest to them? How do they look at this whole gamut, either in terms of information security or cybersecurity? What should be the one way to look at it? Well, I think, first of all, you bring up a, a great point that I think that small and mid-sized businesses in any economy around the world are the backbones of those economies. And it's so important that they understand that they have the same issues with regards to securing information that the big businesses do. And sometimes they don't have the um, the knowledge or the staff to be able to uh, help with that. And so it's important to have a good strategy. Now, sometimes what uh, small and mid-sized businesses focus on first for information security is they'll look to be compliant with some law or regulation like internationally ISO 27001 is is probably the most predominant out there that stands uh, that deals with information security systems um but if you're a small business and you're kind of overwhelmed with this getting back to your original question about um, information security versus cybersecurity you you kind of need to pursue both you need to make sure that your cybersecurity posture is as solid as can be. And that doesn't have to be overtly complicated. Make sure that if you are um, have an office location, make sure that that is secured and that you're running the latest antivirus and endpoint detection on your, on your computers and all of that. But you also need to look over the entire scope of the program. And I would say that the most important thing to understand and focus on is First of all, understand the information that you're keeping. So what I mean by that is all businesses have information that they need to keep in order to be in business. If you're a retailer, you, well, you have accounts for your suppliers and you have accounts for your, for your customers and you have to keep track of all that. You have to keep track of your inventory and so forth. And a lot of the times that information you would want to keep out of the public's view. So you classify it as confidential. So the first thing is classify your information. Classify it into three buckets, if you will. Public information like a website, private information like um, a call list, for example. Like you may not want your cell phone number blasted out on the internet, but if it got out there, is, is it really, really the worst thing in the world? It really depends. I mean, for some people it might be, but for others it may not. And then confidential information, that's stuff that you really don't want to have out there that could have negative business impact. So the first thing is information classification. And then from there, you have to know where the information is because you can't protect it if you don't know where it is. And that's not just where it's stored, but that also means when it's in transit as it's traveling. So we typically ingest information, we do something with it, and then we push it out. And along the lines, we may keep records of it. We may uh, report it to different agencies or different machines or different providers. And we have to understand along the way, each of those places where information is vulnerable, do we have those cybersecurity controls in place, the technical controls to protect it? So we often talk about 
developing what we call a data flow diagram to be able to understand where the data goes. And again, for a small business, that could be very simple. It, you know what information is, is important for your business and confidential, and you know where it's at. You use Google, for example. Well, you know that you have your information up on Google Drive. And then the third thing, and I think this is the one thing that all businesses, regardless of size, maybe it's even more so for larger businesses, but I think all businesses uh, don't even think about is keeping information beyond when you need it. So we, call, we talk about information retention. And what I mean by that is if you're storing confidential information and there's no business or regulatory need for it, you are essentially taking on risk without any reward. Why would you do that? Um, and there are sometimes businesses will say, well, we just have to keep this client information. It's 20 years we've kept this information, but we just, because we've always done it that way. Well, guess what? If you lose that information, even though you have no business need to keep it, you are now at risk of very bad things because it's been exposed. So classify your information, know where it's at, understand the controls around it, and get rid of it if you don't need it. Right, right. Now, that's that's the uh, suggestion part in yeah. terms of doing and getting down to doing a small business or people who have a lot of client data in terms of the way they do their business, as I mentioned about consultants and all. Even for a person like me, I do have a lot of data about the type the people I interview. Those are very important people from all across the globe. I need to be very Sure. It's just that I don't keep the data because mm -hmm. beyond the interview, but a lot of people may need to, you know, communicate with them on a continuous basis, email lists and all. So how do they uh, store it? Where is it that they store? How many places can you suggest how to go about it? Is it that I keep some on my one computer and another data in some another computer? But at the end of the day, how many computers you can have at home? or wherever it is, uh, even cloud is not safe. So how do I go as a simple person who just wants, has some data, and whether for the world it may not be important, but for me, that is the backbone of my business, whatever I do. So how do I do so that I keep protected from any anybody else? Well, you bring up a good point um, with regards to cloud. And I'm going to I'm going to start my answer by talking about a breach that just happened recently. You talked about mailing lists. And so um, MailChimp is one of the providers of mailing lists, mailing programs out there. You collect email addresses of uh, people that are interested in your services and you send them periodic emails, um, newsletters, or marketing things. And it's a way to keep in contact with potential customers, prospects, and uh, it's a standard way of doing business. And, but recently, MailChimp suffered their second uh, breach, I think, in the last six months, something like that. And so some customers' data was, was exfiltrated. And you may not think that mailing addresses are that big of a deal, but really you can start to form an aggregate in, um, view of your business's profile just by the types of addresses that you have kept. But so we, we'll, we'll, we'll consider that confidential. But the important part to realize when, whether it be MailChimp or any other place that you're storing information in the cloud, just because you're storing it, you need to understand that you still have responsibility for the protection of that information. You are not offloading that responsibility. You're offloading 
the technical controls to help with that protection. And so it's important for any business that does any um, exchange with these uh, service providers of their confidential information that they do some due diligence on these vendors. Usually it's as simple, and I put air quotes around that being simple, as looking at their um, the provider's SOC 2 reports, for example. Those are um, third-party audits. Uh, internationally, we're talking about ISO 27000, again, certification. They need to have some sort of a reassurance that where they're sending their information to is, is secure. But the responsibility, coming back to your question about what can they do, it still rests on understanding, first of all, the information that they have and where it's going. You can't really, that's just a part of running business. You have to know where your information is, whether it be out on Microsoft, Azure, or on a Google, or rather a filing cabinet, like behind me where I've got filing cabinets of information here. <clears throat> and it's not easy. It, it does take some, you can, you can have um, folks come in to help on a part-time basis. I'm not here to plug the virtual CISO space, <clears throat> excuse me, so to speak, but that is one option of what small and mid-sized businesses will do to help get their heads around uh, building a security program because they're not security experts and, and, and bringing in consultants to help with that, which is basically what a virtual CISO is, uh, helps very much to get, their, to, to get them to that point. But if they want to do it themselves, they have to do a little studying. They can check out my book that you mentioned there. That has yes. some, some tips for them as well, too. Right. Right, Greg. But let's look at from two points of view. One is that, as you said, the virtual CISO. So first, I, I need to also understand, like the audience, exactly what this is all about. And second thing is that those people who, uh, who are not ready for virtual CISO or any other form. Uh, filing cabinet is fine. I think you better take printouts and just keep it and you got one, K, one, one copy and that is safe <laughs> with you. Even a thief will have a very difficult moment to either, you know, print out and do whatever. And that, that's, I guess, that's the old age thing will work. But in terms of getting down to work, apart from the virtual CISO, if, I, if I'm not ready for it, what are the other options? Because Online or cloud, everywhere it can get compromised. So is there a, another option or is, uh, is virtual CISO the only thing that is the best thing available? Because as of now, I don't know what this is all about. Well, I think this is one of those things where you could ask different people <clears throat> that same question and come up with different answers. And, and here's my take on it. Um, and I'm kind of going to start with the virtual CISO side um, and explain what that is. And, and, and that'll lead to, you know, See, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, Greg, sorry to interrupt. I, you, you would be the best person to tell it because you see your background is uh, you were a uh, veteran. You are a veteran of the U.S. Air Force. So you will, then you were there part of Desert Storm. It is in, in your way of thinking, you always are on the side of caution. So whatever, yes. you, whatever you will say will be 
the best, best in terms of, you know, taking that extra effort to, for anybody to make themselves doubly secure and only and look at it all as, as part of, you know, risk management and not mm-hmm. just simple aspects of information or data security or cyber security. That's no, why I, I say you, you, you are the master today and you are the best person to okay. advise on this. Well, all right. I, I, I am the master. I like that. Um, but, so yeah, information security is all about risk management at its core. And, and now virtual CISO or not virtual CISO, there, there are, there are some, there are some organizations out there, managed security providers that are offering what they call virtual CISO services. But the problem is that the virtual CISOs that they're offering, they're, they're really not risk management professionals. So now we kind of get into the cyber versus information security. They can give you great advice with regards to cyber. Okay, you need to have this firewall, you need to have this and that, but they're not really talking about the risk management advice. Uh, a true virtual CISO will have that risk management experience and will have done this for some time. We'll, we'll understand the business aspect as well as the technical aspects of cybersecurity and will be able to advise accordingly. Now, if you don't want to or need to go down the virtual CISO path at this point in time, that's certainly a viable option as well, too. And what you need to do in that, in that sense is start with a risk assessment. We talk about information security as being risk management. Well, Sometimes when people in my career, particularly early on when when I started to explain to folks about um, having to do a risk assessment, I get that deer in the headlights look and kind of glazed over eyes. What do you mean by this? And, and it's very simple, actually. Think about your information. Think about what do you think is the biggest risk to it? Well, I may not know. Well, that's okay. Just start somewhere and go through the process. Okay, I have this information. I've done this uh I've done this um, inventory. I know where my information is. I've got a whole bunch up on Google. I don't mean to continue to slam Google or anything. I'm not doing that, but let's just say that. It's like, okay, well, now at this point in time, I know what information is up there. So, okay, what's the risk of the information being exposed? It's huge because it's bad for my business. Okay, what can I do about it? All right, let's look at some of the controls first of all. And the, okay. Um, only have limited access to it. There's only me and two other people in the organization that have access to it. We have logs that we can look at to see when things were accessed, when things were downloaded. We have protections other beyond that that you can only log in, say, at certain times during the day. We've done our due diligence on Google and we've looked at their SOC 2 report or their, or their ISO certification. And we're convinced that, that, you know, they run a pretty good security program. So now you get back to that risk assessment mentality. The first part of the risk assessment is what you determine your inherent risk. So inherently, I've got information up there that if it gets out, that's a bad thing. I would classify that a high risk. But then I look at what do I have in place to, the word is mitigate that risk, bring that risk down. I have all these things I just mentioned, uh, role-based authentication, certain controls in place as far as being able to access it. And I have made now the determination that the risk to my information being out at Google is actually pretty low. We call that the residual risk. And now what you have done is you have prioritized one risk that you have identified and, you're, and you, can, you can have some measure of comfort by saying, I have looked at this risk. I have effectively 
analyze the risk. I'm okay with this risk. Let me go on to the next, next risk. And you do that for every risk that you have identified to your information. And then at the end of that process, you'll probably come out, this is, you come out with what we call a risk register, and you'll have some that are high risks, some that are medium risks, and some that are low risks. Well, what do you do with that? You start working on the high risks to try to get them down into medium. And how do you do that? add in more controls to bring down that inherent risk to a lower residual risk. And that's essentially at the core, what say a virtual CISO will do in addition to some other aspects of running the security program, but from the risk management side, that's essentially what a virtual CISO does. We're just really competent at fleshing out where those risks are. So we'll help folks along the way of trying to understand where your risks are. Right, right. For a simple business, small business, uh, let's try look at this. What, in simple terms, what are the threats that they face? One thing we talked about was the uh, was the leaking out of their email list from wherever they put it. Is there anything else that a uh, that a small business has that they may lose? May many people don't know. They may not have even a. Uh, in terms of a, techno- a technical person, they may just have a few computers and uh, and the person who is main- maintaining those computers at the max, maybe uh, most of the time it is outsourced. So mm-hmm. how do they, again, look at it in terms of threat, in terms of the type of data that they have that can, you know, that can be very uh, uh, bad for them if they get, a, you know, that sort of a data is breached. I think that the the types of threats that are out there are vast and long. There's there's a there's a lot. And and I ask this question on the Virtual CISO Moment podcast to each one of my weekly guests. And I get a variety of answers. The most common one I get is what they would call business email compromise. And so this is where you have a Typically, an, an email, if what they call a phishing email, comes in and tricks you into revealing something, whether it be credentials or uh, account information or something. They use what they call social engineering to convince you that they are something that they're not. And right. what business email compromise basically is what it results in is the compromise of a financial services account where wires then are redirected somewhere else, wire payments and you know, once the money is gone, it's almost impossible to to get back. I think here in the United States, the uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation says if if they if they don't get any of the funds back within 24 hours, they're gone. So it's important that if you're if you suspect that you were part of a business email compromise, that you um, report it appropriately as soon as possible. But Obviously, the thing that you don't want to do is to fall for it to begin with. So we talk about education. We talk about awareness training. Um, be very careful with regards to opening up emails or text messages and, and all of that. And that's sort of, sort of basic advice, but we keep on pounding on it because the we're human and there's a human element to all of this. That's what the bad guys exploit. So my unofficial survey of professionals will we'll say that business email compromise is the biggest threat to small and mid-sized businesses. And I should say, I wish it was official. I wish that I have been keeping track of this as I've asked the question each time. And maybe now I, I will remember to do that. Um, but one person 
last year came up with what I think is probably the best advice to or the best answer to that question about the biggest threat to small and mid-sized businesses. And it's not what you would think. It's bad advice. And if you think about it, that's spot on because um, without going into details, well, I, I will go briefly into one detail. And sometime on LinkedIn uh, early last year, I think it was, there was one security pro, I'll put that in air quotes, that that promoted the idea of going further in your career. All you need to do, no matter where you're at in your cyber career, just put that you're a virtual CISO on your LinkedIn profile. And hey, now you can start going out and working with clients and you can hone your craft by working for small and mid-sized businesses and eventually develop your, 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 your fundamentals. Well, what's wrong with that? The small and mid-sized business is expecting you to come in with the experience and the knowledge and the skill set to help them. And you're learning from them. You're, you're using that to further your career. You're probably giving them bad advice. The, the engagement ends and the small and mid-sized business may be left in a worse spot than they were to begin with. So regardless of where an SMB gets their advice from, make sure that they're vetted. And that doesn't mean just going to a virtual CISO. That means when you're out on the internet and you're looking at information, you're looking um, at, at, say, um, ways to um, increase your security posture. Just be careful about that. Right, right, Greg. So if they were to look at a company like yours and you are in the U.S., uh, how does it work? What they uh, they should know? What will you do for them? Uh, can it be done online? Can uh, companies, perhaps in India, small companies, can they approach you? Uh, will you be able to do things uh, remotely? Is it is it? How does it work? Tell us well, what they should come for uh, and what they can expect from your company. You are the founding principal of VCSO Services. Well, you know, I like to say that we were virtual before virtual was cool. In other words, uh, we started to do this before COVID. I mean, things like Zoom really weren't all that popular. The most popular um, video conferencing back in that day was uh, WebEx, I think. I don't even know if they're around anymore. To tell you the truth. They probably are. Um, uh, and then the podcasting that we're doing here, like StreamYard, I don't think existed back then as well. It's a great platform, by the way. Um, but typically what we'll do is that um, even before that risk assessment part, we'll, we'll pick a framework. And it's important for any small and mid-sized business to adhere to a framework. Here in the United States, we have what they call the NIST cybersecurity framework. Um, internationally, there is, uh, again, ISO. And, and just because uh, someone is in India doesn't mean you can't do like the NIST CFF, CSF. I mean, it, it's, it's fine. So that's what we need to do is determine the as is of a security program for small and mid-sized business. And yes, we do everything virtual. Um, we will very rarely on occasion go on sites if there's like an exam or an audit um, to help them support. Um, and we have um, done international before as well, too. We don't currently have, well, we, we kind of have one customer that's in the Caribbean. Their home base is in the Caribbean right now. Um but we'll do a gap analysis against a framework, and then that'll inform the risk uh, register and then go from there. And typically, an engagement will, the first 90 days, give or take, will be more about us learning about your business. And then from there, it becomes more operational. So we always prefer a year contract up front 
because it takes time to learn the business. We're not going to come in and just tell you, oh, you don't have that policy. You need it. Hey, thank you. Pay me now. Um, but we also give the option of if we're not serving you the way that you need to be served, we have a 30 day uh, no cause clause bailout, if you will. If you don't like us, just give us 30 days notice and we'll we'll cut it. And we can do the same thing. If you're not, you have to do as a client, you have to do items as well, too. You can't just expect us to come in and not have any interaction with you. Uh, we've never had to um, invoke that on either side of the equation, because once we get that relationship going, uh, the productivity just multiplies from there. But in a nutshell, that's what you can expect. Not just from, I mean, we didn't invent the virtual CISO service. I think we do it quite well, but there are a lot of competent organizations out there that do it. And, and on my podcast, I, I talk with folks that are my competitors and, and I'm happy to promote their business as well, too, because it's all about helping small and mid-sized businesses at this point in time. Right. And what is your book all about? What does it contain? Uh, you know, uh, uh, book information security for small and mid-sized businesses can anyone read that book and and secure their business yeah um it, you know the book kind of came out organically where i started just writing notes about things that we've learned as an organization over the years providing virtual ciso services i i guess this was probably back in 2019 and and this was just purely for a marketing angle at that point in time i'm like well uh, here are some things you can help with. And then the last chapter is if all of this is overwhelming, well, look at a virtual CISO service. Uh, we provide that as well too, but just make sure you, you find a good service that works for you. And then I got to the realization along the way that I have enough material for a book here and then ended up creating and publishing the book. And I'm working on a second edition right now, or rather, Technically, it's a third edition because the first edition was just online. It was a uh, a a sticky or there's there's a term for that in marketing lingo where you put it out on the website and you download it and for the price of an email address. And we still offer it on our website the e, the ebook version for free for the price of an email address. It's a good marketing uh, tool, but we also offer it for sale for those who don't want to do that through Amazon and other other places, uh, whether it be ebook or print version. But the long story short, these are things that I have taken and explained to small and mid-sized businesses as part of the process, wherever they're at, whether they're trying to get compliant with something first. And of course, compliance doesn't equal security. Um, I won't take on any clients that are just looking to become compliant with something because there's a lot of folks out there that can do that. We just try to build uh, security programs. That's our passion. That's our calling. Um, but each one of those chapters, they can stand alone. I talk about risk assessments. I talk about um, third-party audits, talk about governance. A lot of the things we talked about today are in that book. Right. And where do they buy that book if they want to? And how do businesses connect with you so that they can engage with you if they want? So the, the easiest way to buy the book would be to go on Amazon and just search for information security for small and mid-sized businesses and then also my last name. And that'll bring up the uh, the uh, the book. I should have had a copy with me here. I would have just, you know, <laughs> showed you what it looked like. Um, as far as getting a hold of uh, us, the easiest way is to go through our website, which is vcsoservices.com. And there's a contact us button there, which will which will 
open up a, a way to message us in real time. And we're usually pretty responsive. Um, and if it's during a business day, we'll get back to you most likely within minutes sometimes, if not within the hour or so. Um, we also have a phone number that you can call um, that's on the website. And both our company and, of course, me, but our company is on, on LinkedIn. Just look for VCSO Services on um, Facebook. It's under VCSO. Our YouTube channel is, is uh, the handle is VCSO. So it's easy to remember. We got a lot of great information on our YouTube channel, not just uh, some of the podcast episodes, but a lot of stuff r- related to small and mid-sized businesses um, and, and information on what the virtual CISO does as well, too. Right, great. Right. Uh, now, uh, we talked about small businesses, mid-sized businesses. Uh, I also asked about the coaches and all those people. Uh, we, how should people who have home offices, they look at it? Even though coaches, I came, a lot of people work from home, they have their offices also, but specifically in terms of home office, people who have home office, and especially after pandemic, a lot of people, great resignation, people are doing a lot of work from home. How should they look at this information security aspect uh, for themselves? Is the investment, if they want to secure themselves, is the investment worth it? Or is the is the amount of money that they need to put in to secure themselves, is it is it uh, is it possible for them to in, uh, put in that that amount of money? How so I put, I put back on my consultant hat here and 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 one when I first started my business, one of the most important things that I had to do is to make sure that I separate um, business from personal and and that's finances, but that's also technology. And you if you're if you're either a consultant working for yourself or you're an employee of a business, but you're working from home, you're really the same thing. An employee is is just uh, a consultant with one client that may be compensated in a different manner, but you still should apply the same item. So, um, and most companies, they'll issue you a laptop for at home. Don't do any personal business on it or keep it very, very high level, um, very light. Um, don't let the family use it. Don't just, just make sure you keep things separate. Don't let up your guard. Don't, don't leave information out on your desk if it's not in a secured area that um, your family might accidentally come and, and, and do something with. You, you have to have that mentality as if you're in the office. But as far as technology goes, I suppose, and this is one thing that I did, um, most, most homes have an internet connection and that uh, you have your internet connection, your firewall, your basic home firewall, and then everybody connects to that either wired or wirelessly. I took another firewall and and connected it to that. And so my business workings will be through that other firewall. So it's segregated from all of my IoT things, Internet of Things. It's on a different network. So my my uh, my my um, thermostat, for example, or my cameras or my I was going to say my refrigerator, but I have not yet bought an internet uh, capable for refrigerator. And I just, I can't do it. I just, I don't, I, it's got to stop somewhere. Eventually it's going to be like, oh, my toilet's connected to the internet now. It's like, uh, now I know that I need toilet paper. It's like, and, okay. and then you are locked out of it. And then I'm locked out of it. What am I going to do? It's like, I don't remember the password to raise the lid. I mean, it's got to end somewhere. 
but just but but in all seriousness just just have that mindset it's it's like just because you're at home apply the same due diligence and controls as if you were in an office so right right my last question to you greg is that you see from desert storm from to this time you have worked so hard worked at different places at different levels a great education you are adding adding now value uh through your podcast through your book through the work that you do from you were trying to secure at that point in time even right now you are trying to secure and give security in a different aspect what is it that you now want to achieve after achieving or doing so much well i i should just first clarify that when i was in desert storm and in the air force i i, I was a i was an aircraft mechanic <laughs> i wasn't in that, you were you your even uh, uh, everything that that's very very important you were securing oh. the aircraft yeah know. no it and, and it was about risk management i i remember without going into a, a big story i remember one time one of our aircraft came back in desert storm and it had a hole in the wing and then and, and i reported it and they're like Schaefer, a hole in the wing i'm like yeah go up there take a look at it it's like so yeah risk management it's like it's not good to fly an airplane with a hole in the wing it doesn't work as well as it could um but as my my goals going forward are um i just want to help the best i can i i when I started VCSO Services back in 2017, I could have stayed in my career as a bank CISO at that time and retired, you know, 10, 15 years later down the road. But I just I got that nudge that I can do better. I, you know, I have this knowledge to help small and mid-sized businesses. And and that's why I started that. And then eventually that's why uh, I first started the podcast and the book as marketing things. But then now the podcast itself has taken on its own life and it's all about helping both small and mid-sized businesses with information and also helping those in the security field grow in their lives. Because when you hear other people's stories, they're like, oh, I didn't think about doing that. Maybe that'd be a good thing for me to try. And so going forward, um, I just plan to continue helping as much as I can while still being able to eat because I like feeding myself. I like earning money. It's a good thing. Um, eating is good. It's, it's, not, it's not overrated. It's, it's very good. Um, but, uh, if I can provide opportunities for others, we, we, uh, endowed a scholarship at Middle Tennessee State University. So not every year it's going to outlive me. Someone's going to receive a thousand dollars every, every year to help them in their, in their endeavor. We hope to do more of that. Um, that's my goal. That's my passion at this point in time. We'll see how far it goes. Wonderful. Wonderful. With this, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Thank you. I, I loved it. Thank you very much.